Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome to another episode of our Locker Room Live Q&A on the Locker Room app. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the editor-in-chief of Pride of Detroit. If you haven't joined us for one of these before, you've got to get involved. It's a Locker Room app. It's available on Apple products. We do them live every Saturday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. Uh, with me are our two Locker Room co-hosts, uh, as we usually have. Uh, first, we got Ryan Matthews, senior editor of Pride of Detroit, at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. Ryan, how are we doing today? I'm hanging in there. Thanks for the proper introduction. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I guess we're just going to run with the senior editor thing. No, no paperwork needs to be involved, I suppose. None whatsoever. <laughs> uh, and also we have our new managing editor of Pride of Detroit. I don't know when I can stop saying new, but I'm going to continue to do it for now. Uh, Eric Schlitt is with us at Eric Schlitt on Twitter with a K. I see way too many people <laughs> mentioning you with a C, and I, I don't appreciate it in your on your behalf. <laughs> yeah, that, you know that's old habits, right? I, I suppose I, I understand. I, I've gotten used to it, but um, yeah, I don't know. Can you stop saying new after a month? Because that's pretty much what it's been, right? It was uh, yeah, that, yeah. It, it was the nineteenth. It was the nineteenth of February that we had uh, come to our agreement. Now we didn't technically announce it until uh the the 22nd so maybe yeah. it's not a mo- full month yet but man it's it's been flying by i was gonna say it absolutely flew by it feels like uh we had that zoom that private zoom conversation last week but uh i, I guess part of the reason it feels like it, it flew by is because there has been no shortage of lions news and that was certainly true this week uh as free agency kicked off the lions made a couple of trades um, made a, plenty of moves, saw plenty of uh, players sign elsewhere, which is actually kind of different than than most years. I feel like a lot of times we see a lot of Lions players hang on free agency for a long time. But um, before we get into some live questions here, let's uh, let me just kind of ask you guys what your your overall thoughts on on where the Lions are is. Have things gone as planned? Are you promised by Brad Holmes's first free agency thus far? Um, what are your just kind of overall thoughts? We'll, we'll start with you, Eric. I think the biggest thing that has surprised me is I was expecting them to go after a young, uh, talented player that they could sign to like a five or six year deal, someone that could be a cornerstone to build around. Now, they haven't done that. And mm-hmm. I mean, unless you consider Aquara that, I guess. Right. Um, but I was expecting someone outside of Aquara. Uh, to be put in the fold. And that hasn't happened. So that that's the only thing that's really surprised me. The rest of it has kind of gone, you know, on one-year prove-it deals, which is a lot of what I think we expected. And um, I think that's the right direction to take. But, yeah, I was expecting one kind of uh, big dip in the water. Yeah, and I think the, the biggest surprise there is, is Dave Burkett dropped news that the lines were never in on John Johnson, which I think we all circled as the guy who made the most sense. But, yeah, I think you're right. It, it looks like the lines just may never have had any interest in really any splash signings this offseason, which, like you said, I think it kind of makes sense, but maybe is a little bit surprising. Uh, what about you, Ryan? What are your overall thoughts so far? 
Um, you know, I'm not I'm not too shocked at any of the moves that Brad Holmes has made in terms of not making a splashy signing. I think from the standpoint of we knew the Lions were going to be a little cash strapped. Now, I think what he has done that's really impressed me has has been the way that he's maneuvered, you know, and kind of worked his way through this cap and some of the really shrewd decisions that he's already made this early into his tenure as a new general manager. I mean, not giving Kenny Galladay the franchise tag in a market where, you know, top free agent wide receivers are not getting the kind of money that they were expecting to get. Um, I think that was a, that was a incredibly smart business decision that he made. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even, even not even caving and using the franchise tag at all and getting Romeo Okora on a very affordable, very, um, very, I, I would, I would consider it a very team friendly deal. Um, I think yeah. that there was the potential that Romeo Aquara could have made more, uh, if he went elsewhere, but you know, brotherly love, man. So I, I think, <laughs> I, I think the thing with Brad Holmes that I, that I'm most impressed with is, is some of these very shrewd decisions that he's made in terms of navigating this off season. I mean, it, it's tough enough to be a first time general manager and it's, it, it, it became even more difficult once uh once it was compounded with the the parameters of this offseason with the salary cap and the constraints that he had so um i'm 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 really impressed with uh the steps that he's taken so far this offseason yeah and and you've got an article about to drop in about 20 minutes uh on, on Pride of Detroit just kind of going through that and how yeah i mean degree of difficulty for for Brad Holmes in his first year is is an all-time high and it, it started with the Stafford trade right like i think yeah. i think most people look at that and think he he mostly knocked it out of the park i know there are a lot of people that that don't quite believe in Jared Goff and and are concerned about the amount of money that he's going to be taking in um and i i do think you know we we had the golf press conference yesterday that that kind of went over the team's commitment to Jared Goff and it sounded like they like him a lot but the one thing that they weren't willing to say is that they're long-term committed to him uh, Brad Holmes specifically said that no they're not they're still not taking quarterback off the board at seven if the right guy and the right value is there so I find that all very interesting and and yeah I, I think I think you have to commend Brad Holmes for what he did the one move that I thought might not have been this savvy was the trade for for Michael Brockers but only because he had that huge I think eight million cap hit that was coming with him. Like, I don't know if you should be spending that much on a, on an almost thirty year old defensive tackle. But then news came out that in fact they're, they're signing him to an entirely new contract. And while we don't have the details on that, I think you can almost guarantee that first uh, year cap hit is going to be a lot lower than that. So um, yeah, I'm, I, I have to say I'm I'm somewhat impressed as well. I do. I, I'm kind of in the middle of really both of you guys. Like I I do. I was kind of hoping for a, a young signing, a long-term guy that they make a splash in. But at the same time, I, I understand, like, they need to fill out an entire roster. I mean, you look at their depth chart right now. They don't have a lot of cap space, and they still need to fill out, you know, slot receiver, nickel cornerback, safety, linebacker. There, there's a ton of needs here. And, you know, with a Josh John or John Johnson type of contract, I'm not sure if any of that would have really been possible. So, um, yeah, I think that's a, a good place to jump off here and, and bring in some questions here. We have a bunch going uh, in our chat here, but let's first bring our friend Mathis aboard. Mathis, how you doing, buddy? Hey, guys, what's up? Not too much, man. Good to hear from you. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. So um, my question is, um, I'm pretty sure some, some people have seen it. Um, they're bringing in um, DeMonte Casey. Um, and then they had been talking to Keanu Neal, um, uh, uh, like sometime during this week. Um, 
my question to you guys is what do you guys think um, needs to happen for our secondary? Because I think that more than it, that's going to be more of where our young strength is going to be rather than the front seven. What do you guys think? Eric, you want to jump in there first? Yeah, um, I, I agree, Mathis. I, I, I think that they're going to want to put the youth in the secondary. Um, their defensive line isn't too far away from being, uh, you know, ready for training camp, in my opinion. They there's still a couple of spots they can add some competition, but really, the uh, the bulk of the capital should go into the secondary. What I what I think is interesting about uh, Casey is that he's a free, he's a free safety, and the fact that they're looking at free safeties tells me that that means Will Harris' job probably isn't safe. They're gonna. Uh, I do think Tracy Walker is going to be one of those spots, but a free safety uh, in the in a split zone coverage is is really I think what they need to add with Tracy Walker. And then as far as Neil, uh, if you look at who Neil has been talking to a lot of the teams are looking at him as kind of as a linebacker as like kind of a a hybrid athlete linebacker type and and the fact that they're looking at they were looking at him tells me that they're keeping their options open to add a hybrid uh player like um like you're gonna see a lot in this in this draft class like that are gonna be like that um uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name from Notre Dame. I'm, I apologize for that. The uh, Owosu Kamora, right? I, I messed his name up. But that type of guy oh, yeah. is uh, is a Keanu Neal type of guy, right? And so if you look at these kind of smaller, more athletic linebackers or maybe bigger but still athletic safeties, I think that type of player could have a role in, in this defense. So um, even though they didn't, they're, it sounds like they're out on Neil. Um, I think they're going to be looking at athletes, or at least what we're by seeing who they're interested. In, that tells us they're going to be looking for athletes now, uh, specifically, like you said, in the, in the secondary. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the interesting things Chris Spielman uh, said during the One Pride podcast, uh, the official Detroit Lions podcast, is is just that they're they're looking for athletes. They're looking to get a lot faster on defense, which I know a lot of Lions fans will be excited to hear after dealing with two hundred and fifty five pound linebackers who can, you know, can't can't run sideline to sideline. So I think you're absolutely right, and I I have to say I'm I'm very much intrigued by their interest in uh, Demonte Kazee because. That guy was great. That guy led the league in interceptions two years ago, and and obviously an Achilles injury is something that you really have to pay attention to and and can't ignore, which is why I think he's taking all these visits instead of people just going out and signing him. But, um, yeah, I mean, he he, he gives him a lot of options, a lot of flexibility there in the secondary, especially in the safety position. So he's a guy that that I think could come somewhat cheap, although there there is obviously significant interest in him across the league, and and why wouldn't there be with a guy who's just – two years removed from seven interceptions in a season. But uh, yeah, I, I, I like, I like where they're kind of picking their battles here in the secondary, but there's obviously still a lot of work to do there. All right. Thanks guys. All right. Appreciate you uh, with the questions at all. Let's, let's keep it going here. We got a bunch of people in our queue here, so uh, I'm not sure which one was first. So let's go with John first, John, how you doing, man? Good. Evening. Not too bad. Love- good. Good. Love all the work you guys are doing. Appreciate it, man. Um, like I say, your first comments, I uh, I agree with you on your uh, talk about uh, 
what they've done so far. I think they haven't made any desperate moves. That's what I've really liked. They mm-hmm. haven't made even Galladay would have been maybe a desperate move to go with the big contract. And it's I like they've been kind of conservative. They got to figure out what they're doing with their defense this year. So they got to do a lot of um, I guess try to self interest find out find out what they really have. Um, and on that note, I'm really still thinking they've got to go defense um, first. Although I'd like them to trade back and get defense. Um, who would your top three? people be that might be those defensive spots that they could maybe try to target i'm not a real big on the linebacker but i'm not sure if there's anyone else in the first round that really jumps at me right now uh ryan do you do you want to talk a little bit about the draft i mean i know i know it still seems like we're really far away and uh i micah parsons is, is kind of that that one guy that everyone seems to have a strong opinion on um is there anyone else that in this draft that you're just like I mean, maybe it doesn't seem like maybe there's anyone available at that seven spot, but if that trade back happens, is there someone you're hoping the Lions take? Yeah, I mean, that that's the first domino that has to fall, right, Jeremy? There there yeah. needs to be two people to agree to a trade in order for the Lions to move back, and, and we've talked about this numerous times, but the value for the number seven pick is to go offense. Um, whether or not the Lions want to go with a skill position player, which is definitely still on the board, um, considering there's you know the wide receivers that will be available um and, and i mean even offensive linemen uh if you want to go tackle I, I think that that's something that is um is conceivable for the lions so um between those options if if you do get a dream scenario where you do get to move back um i don't want to butcher his name but it seems like the uh the the player from notre dame uh seems to be a a uh, a hot commodity um i think eric can shed a little bit more light on him so um, I'm going to I'm going to pass this question off to Eric, our, our, our more draft savvy guy. <laughs> yeah, I think if you want defense, um, there's two positions that you just take off the table right off the bat because the talent is not there uh, in the first round. And that's defensive tackle and safety. And so now you're saying, OK, there's two really talented cornerbacks, maybe three that are going to go in the first round. But are they willing to double dip at safety? In, or I'm sorry, a corner, uh, two years in the draft in the first round. Uh, if they do, there's some legitimate options. Caleb Fairley, Sertan, J.C. Horn is going to be a little bit later in the first round. You could go after one of those guys to try and solidify that cornerback position. Now, if you don't want to double dip at, at, at corner, uh, Owusu uh, Koromoa from the, from Notre Dame is definitely a guy who would be in the trade back mix. Xavier Collins is a linebacker from Tulsa who's probably going to be in the first round mix as well. Um, if you if you don't if you're not familiar with Collins, he's six three two sixty, but he can pass rush, drop into coverage. He's kind of like an Anthony Barr, and so um, Collins is a guy I like quite a bit. Uh, on the edge, it's going to be kind of slim pickings as well. Quiddy Pay is is my top edge guy. Um, so if you if if you're not familiar with him, he he's uh, he played at Michigan. He's like uh, six four two seventy five or so. Um, yeah. So there's there's a couple of options, but it's it's a, it's really thin. Like Ryan said, the the value is offense in the top ten. But if you get outside of the top ten, then yeah, there there's a there's a couple of names there that would interest me. Okay, that's what I that's what I kind of thought, and I guess I was hoping there was maybe another standout that I was just missing. But I think you're right; it just seems like we've got it. Although there's so many other receivers too, and it's like I think the receiver need is big, but boy, there's a lot of receivers that are nice in the second and third rounds too. So I don't know. I'm kind of starting to lean more and more back to the quarterback if someone's available for us. 
just to have that for the long time future too. But anyway, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for your question, John. And I, I do feel like uh, I have to throw in a uh, uh, a notice here that that Eric Schlitt is a is a Michigan Wolverine fan, so the fact that Quiddy <laughs> Pay is his number one edge guy. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He's he's a good player. Uh, but th- thanks, John. Appreciate the question. Um, and let, yeah, let's just keep moving along here. Let's bring uh, Mike on the show. Mike, how you doing, man? Can you hear us, Mike? Hello. Hey, there you are. Hey, how's it going, Mike? Uh, perfect. Hey, how you guys doing? Big fans. Um, Appreciate it. So, uh, you know, I- I'm just I- – I'm kind of going to throw a curveball here and talk a little bit more about, like, just sort of the direction of the team. I, at first, we're kind of told, you know, and looking that it's it's a rebuild. But the free agency moves paint a different story, if we're being honest. I mean, majority of the guys they have gotten have been 28-plus either coming off injuries or, you know, just, uh, you know, just guys that I don't, I just look at as progress stoppers for a team that is in the pick accumulation, you know, sort of stage of the rebuild. I mean, I guess I want to get your guys' take on, I know Brad Holmes is, is, uh, is, you know, obviously a first time GM, but when we think about what they say, right. A lot of the players have came out and said, they don't think it's a rebuild, and you heard Jared Goff. And, of course, a lot of that is going to be said. Um, but when you think about all the progress stoppers they got, I, got, I guess I want your guys' opinion on, like, how does this help this team move forward? I mean, a lot of my thought on how, why this team was so bad is it does need talent, but there also was very poor coaching. And, right. you know, when you think about, like, some of the young players that they have, the you know, the Julian O'Quaras, the – you know, uh, the Penasinis, the, you know, you go down the list, you know, you, we have to see what we have in Deshaun Hand and Tracy Walker. And then for them to kind of completely look at receiver and then not look at our biggest needs, which is linebacker and secondary help. I mean, I just, I, I'm just confused as to why they would sign a Brocker or basically sign. I mean, that's basically what they did at seventh round pick. But when you think about like what they're looking to do, I just, I'm just, I'm a little perplexed and I don't want to say underwhelmed, but, I mean, is this team trying to win? Because I, I just don't want them to be in that purgatory of, you know, six wins a year and then they're picking in, you know, eight to 12 range and never get that franchise quarterback and they're perpetually just not very good. You know what I mean? I, I was hoping yeah. that they would burn it down to the ground and, and get the first pick next year and, 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 and just completely rebuild sort of like, you know, you've seen the Jaguars do. I, I think that's a fair question, Mike. I, 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 I see what you're saying here and, and – I, I think I think they are kind of trying to walk a, a little bit of a middle line. I, I mean, it's also fair to say that they've kind of tore the foundation down with all the players that they've let go, all the players that they've cut, obviously the, the Matthew Stafford trade. But, you know, getting a guy like Jared Goff in return alone is kind of a sign that, like, they're not throwing in the towel for 2021. And I don't think we should necessarily expect them to. Um, that doesn't mean that they can't rebuild at the same time, at least in my opinion, because, because there is – I mean, they – they're, they aren't planning to make a lot of big moves in free agency, I think, because that's not how they plan on building for the future. They, they want to just kind of keep their head above water, I think, um, for 2021 and, and, and remain competitive because them not being competitive during the entire 2021 season only helps in terms of draft position, and that's it. It doesn't help in terms of team building, doesn't help in terms of developing a culture, doesn't help in terms of you know having players that want to be here, coaches that want to be here, coaches that are trying to 
build their resume, they see that they see a team tanking like that, and I don't I don't think it's a good tone setter for for the Brad Holmes era. That being said, you're right. Like they they haven't added a lot of cornerstone pieces to this team in free agency, and I don't know. I I think that I think that's honestly the plan, though. I, like I said, this team doesn't want to build their future through free agency. I think they rather do it through the draft. Um, but I don't know. Do, do either of you guys see it a little differently? Do you do you think there's fair criticism to to their approach so far? I tell you, I I think that they are building for the future, and and I think it's not as flashy as you would like, as most people want it to be. But I, I I agree with the fact that what you just said that they're that you know they're they're not able to make these moves right now. Now they're not able to make these moves because of a variety of different things. One is they have forty three million dollars in dead cap because they just shed a whole bunch of the roster. Now after you when you when you look at the guys that they've added, they have been older guys, but they've been cheaper guys. Like you have to fill out a roster and you have to take some gambles on some of the these older guys in free agency. Um but when you look at the fact that you haven't seen that many contract renegotiations, that tells me that they're trying to store money up so that they can have some money to be flexible down the road. Like you can't you can't turn the whole thing over in a season. It's just not it's just not possible. And so they're it looks like they're trying to get money available in the future. It looks like they're acquiring they've already started acquiring draft picks for the future. And so that's where this this team is focused. They they're going to add receivers. They're going to add other secondary players uh, in the draft. They're going to find a way to, to to rebuild. But like you said, you, like Jeremy said, you have to create some sort of competitive team this year in order to change that culture. In order to get people to actually want to come to this team in free agency in the future. So coaching is going to be a big part of that. Spending money the right way is going to be a big part of that. And it's not flashy, but this is kind of how a rebuild looks in year one. It's just low-level contracts to keep the team competitive, and then you start coaching up those players. Like a lot of the players that you mentioned, the the Julian Aquara, uh, Tracy Walker, uh, Penasini, all those guys are set for starting roles right now. Now, if they get competition and they have guys that are added to challenge them, that's that's only going to help make the team better. But there's a lot of young guys that are in starting roles. Like right now, without anybody being signed, O.R.E.A., Tracy Walker, Will Harris, Jeff Okuda, uh, Julian Aquara, John Penasini are all starters on defense. So we'll see where it goes from here, but they're putting their younger guys in a spot to try and develop them. Do you do you think? I mean, just a quick. I mean, aside to that, I mean, mm-hmm. when you think about what do you think about like player development? Though I understand you mean by starting roles, but obviously you see, you know, losing your best player more than likely in in Kenny Galladay, and you know, and then you see the money they spent on Brockers and probably Williams was probably enough to just get Galladay back in the door from a cap perspective. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how that helps you build. Um, you know, long term, when you lose your best players that are still, I mean, 27, 28, still in the prime of his career, can really contribute three years down the road when you're, you know, when he's in his early 30s, still going to be a heck of a player. And for them to kind of restart and now have to use draft capital with the seventh pick to really make up for him, I, I just, I, I think there's been some, you know, I just, some of the moves have been puzzling to me 
um, to where I just, I, I don't, I understand, you know, where you're coming from, Eric, certainly, mm-hmm. but I, I just don't understand some of the moves and some of the money spent. Um, I, I just think some of those guys that they're bringing in are going to be progress stoppers. Guys like Josh Hill, you know, I mean, they're just going to, they're going to stop guys like Hunter Bryant from developing and, you know, other players that we need to know because, I mean, the name of the game is obviously to be competitive, but we know this team is going to probably be the last place team in the NFC North, no matter what moves they make. No, so, I don't. I don't. I don't. Th- I don't think that that's true necessarily because the Bears just made Andy Dalton their starting quarterback. <laughs> so I mean, like, he- here's some things that I have to push back about this, Mike. Like, real quick. I mean, y- you mentioned progress stoppers in terms of the young guys, but like, look at the Lions. They completely overhauled maybe their important aspect of their team, which was their coaching staff. And I think that when you look at the lack of development of younger talent when it comes to guys like Tracy Walker. When it comes to guys like Amani Owarie or Jeffrey Okuda, and I know Okuda dealt with injuries, but like you're counting on Aaron Glenn to come in and help those guys become the players that you hope they would be. Like when you drafted Okuda in the third round, when you got Owarie on a really good deal, like signing Kenny Galladay, a, tw- a, a guy who's going to be 28, and and I, I'm I'm on the record for saying that I think Kenny Galladay is an absolute awesome talent. He has the ability to be a a top 10 receiver in the league, but take a look around the league and see what the wide receiver market is right now. Like, I mean, yes, guys like Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson got franchise tagged up, but those are two completely different situations than the lions are in like Tampa Bay's trying to get the band back together. And the bears are just going to be the, excuse my language, but they're just going to be the fucking bears. Like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I think, I think what you need to do is you need to consider that the lions are taking this approach, you know, signing guys like Josh Hill. Don't be worried about how Josh Hill is going to take snaps from Hunter Bryant because they play two completely different roles. So, I mean, I, I just, like, be, be patient with this. And I, I think if you thought you were going to get a guy like Dan Campbell to come in and just lay over and, you know, have him be willing to just, like, quote, unquote, like, tank and hopefully get the first pick overall, like, you you hired the wrong guy. <laughs> I just need so, the draft cap. I, I just need the draft capital that we're going to have to use to replace Galladay. To me, that's going to be worth the 16, 18 million you're going to pay him to use a seventh pick to draft the receiver. That I think that's just my biggest frustration with it is obviously we have so many problems you know that that just you spend a seventh pick on a receiver when you have jared Goff as your quarterback i just i don't know well they don't have to do that (laughs) (laughs) well let me let me just put the 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 money in perspective just for for a second if if galladay gets 18 which is what he wants and then you look at brockers Hill, Williams, Perryman, Jamal Williams, and Boyle, collectively, all of the free agents that they've signed, plus the traded for, they only equal they equal twenty one point five million. So you're talking about getting one, two, three, four, five, six guys for three million dollars more than what you would have gotten. Uh, had to pay Galladay. Okay, and they're not just guys either, right, Eric? Like these guys are going to be <clears throat> contributors. Yeah, you have you have one, two, three starters, a running back by rotation, a backup quarterback, and yeah, Hill's going to basically be a starter number. Uh, like he's going to have a a major role as well. So yeah, you're getting six guys for the price of one, uh, essentially. Fair enough.
Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Let's uh, let's keep the chain moving because we got uh, a bunch of people still in here. Um, let's bring our friend Nathan. Nathan, how you doing, how you man? Doing? <laughs> Guys, how you doing? Good morning. Good, good. How are you? Good, good, good. Good to hear from you all. Um, so something that caught my eye, I listened to the press conference with Jared Goff. And, you know, like always, I love to hear Dan Campbell. Um, I, I'm loving the guy more and more. I listened to the Pat McAfee interview, and they were just eating it up. <laughs> they love the guy so much. Like, um, you know, we talk about him being charismatic, genuine. I feel like I feel like Campbell this year is going to give off little subliminal messages because he's so honest and he's so genuine. And usually people that are like that are going to give off little tidbits about how uh, maybe what they did or decision they made. So in reference to Galladay, um, if you guys watched the press conference, um, he talked about, you know, the receivers, I guess, mm-hmm. before he um, introduced golf. And he said separation, speed. Yep. And I think that when he said that, it pretty much gave the hint that that's why they didn't, um, they didn't get Galladay. They didn't tag Galladay, minus the injuries and him being 28 years old. I think that they weren't going to pay a guy $18 million a year that didn't get separation or didn't, get, didn't have a lot of speed. And that's why they got in Brashard Pyramid. That's why they brought in Tyrell Williams, who are four three, four three guys that can get separation, or at least we hope they can. And so I, I just think that when they asked that question, when, when he talked about um, receivers, I think that that was kind of maybe a reason why they didn't tag him, or they, yeah. didn't, re- they didn't resign him. And I was like, wow, he really gave that away without even telling, without even saying, like being asked the question. I, so I think, I think that was a huge factor. I think there are a couple of stupid observations there, and, and and the first one being that yeah, I, I think Dan Campbell might be the kind of person that that tips his hand every now and then because, mm-hmm. like you said, he's just so genuine when he's up there and honest, uh, and he's honest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I I, I don't know if that that was necessarily directed right at Kenny Galladay, but it, it does show that this team is, is valuing something different yeah. with their wide receivers. And and Jeff Risden wrote about it this morning. And I mean, I think we all kind of saw it coming too. It, really, with starting with the Tyrell Williams signing, speed guys. They want speed mm-hmm. guys. And I was watching Matthew Stafford's press conference uh, with with the Rams yesterday, and he remarked about their their wide receiving core. He's like, I, I these guys get open. These guys know how to make create separation mm-hmm. and, and find space with a guy like Cooper cup. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the pivot that I think the lines are going to make at the wide receiver position. Um, and, and they've got two guys that can, that can do it if they can stay healthy. That's, that's kind of the big issue right now with the, the two guys that they have. But uh, let, let me throw it to Eric really quick because mm-hmm. obviously they're not done at wide receiver. Um, so who is a guy maybe, I mean, obviously draft is, is, is full of guys, but I have to imagine they sign at least one more guy, maybe probably two in free agency. So who's a guy out there that you think kind of fits this mold? And, and do you believe that is the mold? Like they're just going pure speed now. 
Yeah, I think they have to, right? Because uh, I, I think they have to get guys that separate. It doesn't necessarily have to be speed, but it has to be separation. Because one, exactly. that's what golf needs. Like if yeah. you look at what golf, where when golf has been successful, it's been when guys are open. He's not Matthew Stafford and where he can just throw guys open or just, he, you know, he or, you know, like put the ball in uh, in a tight window or anything. Golf's accurate. Don't get me wrong, but it's a different style. And, and he needs to see that op- that guy open before he really wants to hit him. So um, uh, in free agency, I don't know. Um, you know, the couple of the guys that we had targeted, like uh, Cole and Moore, uh, David Moore uh, that we had talked about, those guys mm-hmm. are signed now. Um, I haven't really pulled up a lot of the uh, the athletic markers on, on some of the other free agents. Um, Cordell Patterson's out there, but I don't really think they're going to target a guy like him. Um, yeah, no, DeMar- DeMarcus, Demarcus Robinson is out there for the Chiefs. He's a mm-hmm. guy. Chris, Chris Conley was with the Jaguars last year, but he was a, a draft pick of uh, the Chiefs as well. Uh, I don't recall if he was a, a Dorsey pick or not. He may have been. Uh, both those guys are are somewhat athletic. Um, I do think, though, the draft is really where you're going to find that talent, right? I mean, yeah. there's there's a lot of guys at the top of this draft that get big separation. Uh, then there's going to be a whole handful of other guys that you're going to find later on that can get separation as well. Uh, not just on day two, but you're going to find some in, in early day three as well. This is – as talented as last year's draft class was, this draft class, ha- I feel like, has more speed, right? Mm-hmm. You're looking at a guy like Anthony Schwartz, who played at Auburn, uh, who just ran a 4-2-9. And he, has a world, he was a world record holder as a youth. He's a guy who's going to be there probably in the fourth round. And if you're looking for a pure speed guy, he's, he's an option for you. But then you got a whole bunch of guys like uh, Tutu Atwell from Louisville, who's probably going to go in the third round. Um You've got uh, Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan, who's probably going to go like in that third round range as well. Elijah Moore. These are all like slot guys who could you could get in round three and they could be your starting slot receiver uh, week one. Like they're they're talented enough to do that. Even Rondell Moore, who you probably have to spend a second round around to get um, if you if you're not taking one of the guys at the top. Right. So mm-hmm. there's going to be value of, of uh, guys that are athletic and can separate. And I honestly, I would not be surprised if they double dipped at receiver. Uh, I do think they're going to add another guy in free agency. I just, I don't have a, I can't put a, a name to that at this moment. Eric, what, um, I, oh, sorry. I was just going to say we we had a, a question on Twitter about Kadarius Tony. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on him, Eric? Yeah, I think he's going to be borderline in the first, if not probably going in the late first. Um, probably like in the twenties. He's a guy who's real good at separating, but he's not going to, in my opinion, he's not in the same league as the top three guys who I think are all going to go in the top 10, but, but Tony's the next guy out of the gate there. Um, I have him grouped in the same categories as uh, Rashad Bateman and Rondell Moore and uh, Terrence Marshall from the LSU. Those are like my second tier of guys who are going to be late first rounder, early second rounder type of guys who, if one of those guys slid to 41 and the Lions hadn't taken a guy at seven, those guys uh, would be in that range for me. Yeah, Eric, I, I agree with you. And, and on the last caller, 
we're not we're not penciled in to take a receiver at seven. I think it's the most ideal position to take a receiver if we want one because there's going to be probably be two or three that are going to be available because of the quarterbacks. However, people forget Kenny Galladay was like what a fourth or fifth round pick. Third. You know that Bob third third that mm-hmm. Bob Quinn found and turned into be our number one receiver. And I honestly think that Brad Holmes probably has a better eye than Bob Quinn for talent because he actually focused a lot on the college game. So this guy is like a Mel Kiper. He just watches film of college players all year. So this guy's going to be well in tune with what's going to be, you know, hidden gems. And then if you look at the track record, Cooper Cup, Josh Reynolds, um, Jefferson, you know, he's found gems in the in the later rounds. So I mean, I think that the Lions are. I think the Lions very well could go BPA, you know, in a sense because if it's a Slater, if it's a if it's a Parsons, if they want to go Parsons, I mean, you know, I think they're just gonna they're not gonna pencil in themselves at a receiver. I think that they very well could go another route. They just want to make this team more talented, and so you know, I, I trust Brad Holmes because he's got the track record of the receivers of getting them later and being productive. You know, nobody knew these receivers until they started playing well. It's a good point. It's a good point. All right, uh, we're going to move on. We got a bunch of people on the on the request Thanks, line, guys. so we're going to try to hammer through them all. Thanks for the the call there, mm-hmm. Nathan. Appreciate no you. Problem. All right, let's bring up Alex. Alex, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm good. How are you guys? Good, good. Uh, so for me, wide receiver one in this upcoming draft is uh, Jalen Waddle, and I was just uh, interested to see what your guys' top five was, especially since. Uh, there's a lot of like variety in this draft with the receiver. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point because I do think of those top three, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and, and Jalen Waddle, you're getting three completely different players, and it's just kind of who you prefer the most. And I think most people think Jamar Chase is that number one guy, but I'm curious to see what you guys think. Uh, I want to start with you, Ryan. Who, who's your who's your top out of that group of three? Yeah, I, Jamar Chase is my guy. I, I think that he's just the complete package. I think that. You know, ideal scenario for the Lions is you get, you know, as Adam Schefter, I, I think it was Schefter uh, who, who put this out there, I think, early in the week. But he mentioned that he thinks that there's going to be four quarterbacks that go, um, you know, in the, in the top real five, early right, in or the draft. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, it, in an ideal scenario, I mean, as, as Nathan had mentioned, um, you know, you don't have to lock yourself in for a receiver at, at seven, but. Um, if that scenario bears out, like you are probably going to get the guy that you have at the top of your board for wide receiver. And I, I, for me personally, that's Jamar Chase. I, I think, but I'm, I'm open to hear any arguments for Jalen Waddle. I'm open to hear any arguments for Devonta Smith. Do you know who else I'm open to hearing arguments for? <laughs> I, I do. I do. Kyle Pitts. Exactly. <laughs> that's right, baby. I mean, why not? Let it rip. Um, so here, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think outside of running back, um, I think that the Lions, if they want to take a skill position player at seven, it sounds weird though. I, I think that's I think that's where a lot of Lions fans feel conflicted is that they they think this team is so far away, they're in a rebuild. What are you doing drafting a skill position? But I think it makes a lot of sense for this draft, right, Eric? Yeah, I agree because again, the draft is you build it, you use the draft for your future. And so you you take a receiver at 7 and you've got him for 5 years. You know what I mean? So there's a lot there's a lot to like about taking a guy, especially one that's going to step off the the bus and be that the guy and, and no matter, you know, what team he lands on. So for me, 
Chase is number one, Waddle's number two, Smith's three, Tony's four. And then I, I'm, it's a little bit up for debate between uh, Bateman, Ronald Moore, and, and Marshall for me. Who would be that number five? If you consider Pitts a wide receiver, yeah, then Pitts is going to be in that top five conversation, probably ahead of Tony for me. So um, I, I do think Waddle makes a ton of sense because of the style of uh, receivers they have on the roster. They don't have a Waddle type. But I, in my opinion, Chase is just – too dynamic of a, of a weapon to pass on. He's my number one. I I, I kind of feel like I want to talk a little bit about Devonta Smith a little bit, just because mm-hmm. the, he's such a unique prospect in that he's 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 just tiny. He's a, he's a small little guy, but man, that production at Alabama was was no joke. And you, you hear people talk about him as a person too. He's just that kind of competitor that that will use the piece too small thing as a chip on his shoulder. And, you know, you, you look at the math, you look at the the history of, of people drafted at, at his size, and there's not a lot of great success stories, but I don't know, man, he, he's, he's a competitor. He's a guy who, who does everything he possibly can given his size and given his, his, you know, the body that he was given and just like, I, I hate being kind of the, just, you know, the look at look at his competitor, be the competitor guy, the the uh, intangibles guy. But to me, I I don't see a lot of ways in which this guy is going to fail at the next level. I just don't. I think I think he's got everything to be that unique case, that diamond in the rough, that that guy that, that beats all the odds and, and really is a productive player at this level. Am I am I just am I falling too much in love with him? No, I, I don't. No. I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, and I, I think the one thing, and, and Eric can can add more to this than, than I can. But I think if you're in the position that the lines are in, you do that cost benefit analysis where you're like, you know what, we need a surefire guy there at number seven, and I think Jamar Chase is the more likely guy to be successful because of all of those. Um, things you know that Devonta Smith are kind of out of his control just because he's he's not really going to grow much more into that body. So it's one of those things where it's like, do you take the more surefire thing, or if you're you know if the I think if the Lions were in a different position at seven in terms of their roster, Devonta Smith would be worth the risk. Do you how do you feel about that, Eric? I think he's right there. Like, I don't, I have him third, but it's third by literally one spot. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. these guys are basically stacked on top of one another, and it's going to be a pick em on what style of receiver that you're looking for. The case for Devonta Smith is he was highly productive in 2019 when he had two other first round receivers on the roster right. with him. Then, when he became the man and everyone knew the ball was coming his way, no one could stop him still. Like yeah. it, everyone knew the ball was going to go his way or especially when Waddle was hurt and they, and no one could touch him. Look at what he did in the national championship game to Ohio state. He embarrassed them in the first half before he ended up getting hurt himself. But like when you see a talent against talent like that and, and Smith just doing whatever he wanted, that. It, that is it's he's Special. very clearly yeah oh it, it, he's he 
has so many different things that are attributes to his game and his route running is at the top. Yeah. And when you're he's and not only does he get separation by route running, he's fast, too. Now, he's not going to be waddle fast. He's not going to be Chase is going to be faster than him as well. But he is highly productive because of how he wins. And that's not going away. You know right. what I mean? Like you're getting a polished guy right off right off the bat with him. All right, Alex, appreciate the question. Uh, I think wide receiver talk is, is certainly not going to end with this week, with that being one of the Lions' uh, weakest positions. But appreciate the, the, the question, man. Thanks, guys. All right, let's bring, uh, let's bring CJ aboard. I know he's been waiting a little bit. CJ, how you doing, man? You there, CJ? CJ, going once. Going twice. <laughs> All right, uh, why don't you jump back in the request queue if you if you still have a question, CJ. Appreciate it. Sorry that you had to wait so long. Uh, I hope uh, you're still around there. Um, Todd, let's bring you up next. Todd, can you hear us? Yeah, yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, love all the content you put out, and I was really stoked when uh, Eric came aboard. I've always enjoyed his stuff as well. So uh, Thank you. Great, great combo you got going on. Um, Listen, am I crazy for thinking this team's not that bad? Because, <laughs> you know, the offensive line is really solid, and they're a player or two away from having one of the top offensive lines in the league. Now their defensive line, you bring in Guap Brockers, you have Okora and Flowers. You know, the tight end position, they're really good with the Pro Bowler Hawkinson, the three running backs. I'm happy with the three running backs. The big question mark is, like, if Goff – plays well you know i just don't see this team being that bad of course everybody has to stay healthy right but um i just feel like they're really solid and and let's not forget you know they have new coaches everywhere they don't have these clowns that they had last year so <laughs> i don't know I'm, I'm just feeling pretty hopeful about the season and uh am i a crazy person for thinking that way <laughs> Uh, it's an interesting question, Todd, because I feel like we we all tend to kind of fall into that trap this time of year and that we're, we're a little more optimistic about this team than maybe we should be. But I will have to say, when when Eric wrote his article about, um, what, what was it, Brocker? And I think it might have been a, after Brocker's, the Brocker's trade or whatever. I looked at that defensive line. I'm like, I don't hate it. I'm no, doing it again, Jeremy. Yeah, I know. Doing it again. I know I'm doing it again. Um <laughs> But, I mean, you, you do have to look at the full roster, right? Like, quarterback is a downgrade. I think we can all agree quarterback is a downgrade. We'll see how significant of a downgrade. Running back, upgrade. Tight end, I would say a small upgrade. Wide receiver right now is a huge downgrade. We'll see how that plays out. Offensive line is, is a push. Defensive line maybe a little bit better. But then linebackers and secondary, both worse, I would say, right now. And and they, they weren't good last year. So I, I think at this point – it might be slightly better than last year's team. I think the, the point it, it's a good point to make about the coaching staff being a lot better than, than what it was last year. But again, that's all just kind of hope at this point, right? Like we look at the names, we look at the guys, we we've heard them talk. We've seen what they've done elsewhere. There's no guarantee that they turn things around right away here. So I don't know. I'm feeling slightly better, but I don't think this team is going to be good in 2021. All right. What, no, I hear you. I just think we're gonna go. I just think we're gonna go really strong at wide receiver and linebacker in the draft. But sure. you know, that's just me. Yeah, and and they probably will. 
it's just you don't want to put all your eggs in, in your rookies in, in that first year, right? I mean, we all thought the secondary was going to be a lot better last year because just because Jeff Okuda was going to be there, and we saw the rookie season that he had. And I'm not trying to slam on Okuda. I think he's going to be a good player. But when you're relying on rookies to kind of fill in those needs in year one, you're kind of asking them, I think, of, of maybe too much. But uh, I don't know. You guys, I, I want to get the other guys in here and think, and, and, and are, are you drinking either the, any of the Kool-Aid there, Ryan? Hey, I'm, you know what, Jeremy, as, as, well, first of all, I need to say that once we brought on Todd, the only thing I could think of was pew, 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 um, <laughs> from Breaking Bad. Um, but, uh, especially because he came out here and started firing off things like, you know, maybe the Lions aren't as bad as, as, as a lot of people might think they'd be. And with, with the defensive line, what I, what I like about them is, it's already been mentioned, those three names, right? Brockers and Aquara and Flowers. If those guys can be guys that play up to their contracts, well, now all of a sudden you're filling in the gaps with some guys who have shown some promise. They just need to be healthy. Julian O'Quara, uh, Austin Bryan, you know, Deshaun Hand, John Penasini. If those if those guys can fill in the gaps, and you have those those top guys, uh, you know, at the at the top of the depth chart, if they play up to their contract, well, all of a sudden now that is a relative strength for the defense, and you know. Maybe, and and I keep on coming back to this, and I and I know it's not collegiate. We're we're talking about professionals here, but I think one of the biggest acquisitions the Lions got this offseason was Brad Holmes, and you're talking about a guy who was able to nab guys like John Johnson, a position of need for the Lions in the middle of the draft, pick up undrafted players like Corey Littleton to play linebacker. Like, mm-hmm. I think I think what the Lions can do is they can take this approach in a draft that's kind of lining up to their needs where the, where the value is, where you can get a skill position player at seven and then you can use the back end of the draft. You can use, you know, days two and three to, you know, take some chances on some guys. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think the lines are going to be as bad as a lot of people think they're going to be just because of the obvious downgrade from Stafford to Goff. I, I, I think that's going to be something that the national media is really going to perpetuate. And you're going to find the lines at the bottom of the power rankings to start the season. And I'm, I'm telling you, they're not going to finish last in the NFC North. The Chicago bears <laughs> exist. <laughs> well, I will say for a, uh, for a team that's supposed to be really bad. I'm really excited to watch them this year. And I haven't felt yeah. that way in a long time. That's and I, an awesome point. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you don't, you definitely are not alone in that thinking. I'm see, I'm seeing a lot of, I mean, just by our page views alone, like there's a lot of excitement about this team right now, even with most people admitting 2021 is going to be a throwaway year, which is kind of fascinating considering how rightfully impatient this fan base is right now because of the 50, 60 years of losing. They're willing to wait out one bad year because they see the vision. And that is, uh, I mean, we're a hopeful fan base, but also a very jaded fan base. So for for a lot of people to be buying in right now to what Brad Holmes, to what Dan Campbell is selling is uh, maybe an actual sign that they might be doing it right. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. And uh, pew, pew, pew. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate the question, Todd. (laughs) Um, All right. Let's try to get CJ back in here. Uh, He jumped right back into the queue. Can you hear us now, CJ? We're good to go. Hey, can you hear me? Yep. Hey, guys. Sorry about that. I had a little trouble with the app. No worries. Hey, um, so question here. Uh, regarding the, uh, the earlier this week with the trade, 
um, in the the Rams and Lions waiting a day to make it official. Yeah. Um, was that a sign of goodwill by the Rams, you think, or is that something previously agreed upon the uh, as far as the cap and paying that bonus off? Uh, I'll throw this one to Eric because, I mean, obviously we can't know for sure, but um, I, I think a lot of people were interested in that move and also that the, the third-round pick that the Lions got in return turned out to be a compensatory pick and not their the yep. Rams' original third-round pick. So, I don't know, Eric, how do you think the, the negotiations behind the scene played out? Yeah, I think that was predetermined um, because they knew the cap it was coming, and I'm sure that was uh, part of the discussions as as part of the original trade deal. I think both those things were. I think, you know, the the Rams said we want to give you a third rounder, but we know we're getting a compensatory pick because of Brad Holmes, and so that's <laughs> right. the one we're offering you, right? Yeah, and and I'm sure I'm sure Holmes was was fine with that as well, and and I, you know I'm sure there was the, a back and forth with all the details as there always is, uh, but my guess is that. The the delay in in the uh, trade was purposeful in something that they agreed upon uh, originally. Yeah, I think that okay. makes sense. And yeah, it, I don't. I, I, the one thing I'm kind of curious is, and we saw it obviously with with the Lions and the Patriots last year. Like how how many favors are actually being done during these trades with with familiar you know people? Because obviously, Les Snead has a, a tremendous amount of respect for a guy like Brad Holmes. So. You know, a lot of people have framed that trade and and really the Brockers one is, you know, salary dumps on the Rams side. So are the Lions doing them a favor or are the Rams doing the Lions a favor by kickstarting a, a rebuild? You know, I don't just I, I guess I guess the question I want to bring maybe to Ryan here is like, are you bothered by that at all? You know, the, the Lions getting off to this the start where they're they're trading with a familiar opponent and and that's that's maybe something that got the Lions in trouble with the last regime I was gonna say it kind of it kind of gives you some vibes of Bob Quinn with the Patriots right but yeah it doesn't it doesn't concern me (laughs) um and and the reason why it doesn't concern me is because they they're they're making deals like the, the Stafford trade is a trade that how many GMs can say they've had to make? How, how many GMs have had to trade their franchise quarterback? Um, and what, what the what Brad Holmes was able to do was, I, I think that when you lay out all the other you know trades that we've heard about what was available, whether you know it was the Carolina deal or um, you know some of the other things that, that were kicked around. Yeah. I think that we can all kind of agree that like the Rams deal was probably the best deal that was on the table in terms of draft capital and getting a capable starter in return for Matthew Stafford. So that trade just makes a lot of sense. Trading a seventh round pick for a locker room leader like Michael Brockers, who's more than just a locker room leader. He's, I, I, I think he's a really good run defender. Um, you like that, that makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not overly concerned with with the the relationship that Brad Holmes has established with you know trading with a familiar uh, you know a, a familiar face. That doesn't bother me at all either. Um, you know, I, I think Stafford wanting to go to L.A. was also a big part of the deal, right? That yeah. kind, kind of handcuffs it, him, right? <laughs> Yeah, he he only had a limited number of teams. He probably could have worked a, a, a good deal with that Stafford wanted to go to. So, uh, happened to be the Rams. The fact that he had a connection with him, I think, facilitated that to make a, a, an even easier transition. Um, and as far as the Brockers thing, yeah, I think Sneed said we're going to have to cut him. And for the Rams, 
they save more money in a trade than in a cut. Yep. And so I think they said, we got to get rid of him. What team is running, is going to run a similar scheme to, that, that we are. Why don't I just call my good buddy Brad up, see what he's willing to offer. And, and it's not like Brad Holmes just, just like, was like, Oh, okay, whatever you want, Mr. Sneed. You know what I mean? Like he, <laughs> he, he's like, you get a seventh rounder two years from now. You know what I mean? Like, right. That's not a, it's not a great deal for the Rams other than that he saved them a little bit of cap money and they didn't have to cut him. So uh, this is common, right? This is this is common all the time that you see this happen. Like we we're f- so focused on it right now because we're seeing it unfold in front of us, but you know, you look at around the league, GMs do this stuff all the time. Yep. 100%. And I've got another quick one if I may. Um, I would sure. love to hear your guys' favorite Stafford moment over the past 12 years, if I could. Good question. Oh, man. You're, you're going to make Jeremy cry. <laughs> I, know. I mean, hey, I, I did my share of it, too. I, uh, I, I wasn't joking when I tweeted out that video set me back at least three stages of grief because that was just a phenomenally done video and, and really brought back some memories that I had kind of forgotten about. But, yeah. oh, man. <sighs> I don't know. I, I might have to think about this one. Any any specific moments stick out for either of you guys? Oh boy! I think, um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Just, go ahead, Eric. I was going to say, there's just so many. It, it's it's really hard to 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 pinpoint one. Um, that I mean, the one that that always stands out is the Dallas one, right. where he he just puts that. Um, pass down to uh chris durham on, on, a, on a rope and then you know next plays to calvin then he sneaks it in like it like leadership accuracy that was everything it, that series those like three plays in a row just encompassed everything that he did i'm sure there was others that like you know i could probably say were maybe were my favorite but that's the one that always stands out to me what about you ryan uh, I mean, it was a tone setter, right? And I think it's kind of an easy one for us to all point to, but there's a reason why it it, it really set the tone for who Matthew Stafford was, but it has to be his rookie year versus Cleveland, right? Like, sure. I mean, the, the shoulder yeah. injury, coming back in, making that final play. I, th- there's something about that play that is so emblematic of who Matthew Stafford is as a quarterback, as a person, Um uh, it, it's an easy one, but there's a reason why it's an easy choice. And I, I think that's the moment that's the kind of the defining moment. It's weird that it happened so early, but it kind of set the table for all of the other moments that followed. If that makes sense. Yeah, he, it, sure. He endeared himself to a franchise to quote Dan Miller. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of go a different route here and talk about my, my one personal interaction with Matthew Stafford. The one time that I actually, had the nerve to, to go up and ask him a question uh, amidst the, the scrum that always surrounded him. And it was after the Eagles game in 2019, there was a specific play in which like every single receiver got wide open on a double move. And I, I just, I was curious. I wanted to know what his thoughts on it. And I pulled up the our article that we wrote out about it. And he says, I don't know if we've ever called a play like that where everyone can't, kind of gave a little bit of a double move and all four guys won. And then of course, in, in perfect Matthew Stafford form, he 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 then said, I wish I'd given Marv a better ball to run with because they didn't score a touchdown on that play. And of course, in his mind, that's a failure. Um, and that just kind of that, that speaks to the, the kind of bar he sets for himself and that, you know, they I think they ended up gaining gaining like 25, 26 yards on the play. And he's still upset with himself. And 
uh, that's the kind of competitor he is and, and really the kind of guy I think he is. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, CJ. Appreciate you joining us. Um, we probably only got time for a couple more, so let's uh, let's bring Mike in here. Mike, how you doing? Hey, guys. How are you? Good, good. Um, I'm just wondering, all the talk of Kyle Pitts being an option as one of the top receivers, even though obviously he played tight end, um, there's one guy on the Lions roster, Hunter Bryant, that I'm still kind of wondering what we have in him. I, I'm not going to say he's Kyle Pitts, but he was tabbed as a guy that could almost play receiver. And I'm wondering if he's a guy that they look at to incorporate into the receiver room um, and see what kind of talents he has. Some of the reports, I think, in his rookie year were that Matthew Stafford really, really endeared himself uh, to Hunter Bryant. And I'm, I'm just kind of wondering maybe if we've got a guy that's got some skills we don't know a lot about yet. Yeah, let me let me throw this one to Eric because he and I were able to to actually see Hunter Bryant, unlike most Lions <laughs> fans, since uh, we we got a limited training camp last year. So I don't know, Eric, what what are your thoughts on Hunter Bryant? I know obviously the the last coaching staff was big fans of him. Do you think he can uh, impress the the current coaching staff too? Yeah, what I was told behind the scenes was that Hunter Bryant made the roster because of Matthew Stafford. That's how Matthew Stafford liked him that much. And mm. so um, he's definitely highly talented. Uh, his his blocking is kind of, it's an effort, but that's, you know, he's not going to, that was never his game. He has a similar playing style as Pitts. He's not as polished, uh, but the potential's there. He has the ability to be a, a yak artist. He can, he can line up in the slot. Um, I do think he's a guy who you can utilize like a receiver and, and there's some value in that. Um, so yeah, I, I do think it, you can look at him in a very similar fashion. The question is, um, can he stay healthy? Right. And then he, he can he can produce the way that he did in college because he showed so much potential in college, but he's a guy who hasn't really proven a whole lot in the NFL. So I do think it's there though. I do I absolutely think that he can be part of, uh, of like the receiver group, even though I still think he's going to stick with the tight ends. Um, let me, let me throw it back to Ryan really quick. Um, does, does the potential development of a guy like Hunter Bryant dissuade you in, in any sort of way for your love of Kyle Pitts? The short answer is no. <laughs> um, but, but I think there is something to be said about whether or not the Lions can say, Hey, we have a guy who obviously isn't Kyle Pitts but serves in that same role. So are we better served to spend, you know, the number seven pick in another way? So, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, All right. Uh, Appreciate the question, Mike. Um, We will go to our last speaker of the show. And it is our friend again. Nathan is back. Nathan, how you doing, man? (laughs) You there, Nathan? Oh, Yes. You hear oh, me? there you are. Okay. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> no, I'm good. Okay. So just kind of to round off the, 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 the segment, I was just kind of curious, what were y'all's thoughts when y'all listened to Jared Goff talk? Because I was driving, so I really didn't like sit down and think about it. I, I thought he was being genuine, but I don't know, guys. I was feeling a little bit like he was kind of telling us what we want to hear, 
necessarily at him as a quarterback. And I'm just like, you know, I mean, we've been blessed with Stafford for so many years and Stafford's not really a big talker himself. I felt like golf was just more of like, you know, I'm here to prove it. I'm excited. I'm, 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 I'm happy for the opportunity. I felt like he might've been more slighted than he was actually happy. Did y'all get that feeling at all from the press conference? Um, he was just kind of putting on a good face. Maybe. I mean, it's, it's hard to tell if someone's being genuine or not. Uh, the, right. the one, the one point I will say is that I was kind of surprised when he was asked, like, do you take being traded as a little bit of disrespect and use that as, as a chip on your shoulder? And he said, yes. Um, even though he had said previously, I think in the press conference that he holds no ill will to the Rams, he did say that that motivates him. And, I don't think that's necessarily an answer that you always get out of someone because a lot of people will be like, you know, that sort of stuff doesn't matter to me. I'm just focused on where I am right now. True. He said he admittedly said, yeah, I'm kind of ticked off about it and I'm going to use that to, to hopefully bring some energy and, and, you know, talent to, to Detroit. So that was the one moment where I thought he was probably being the most genuine and, and maybe he didn't have to be necessarily. Um, but I don't know, uh, Eric, what, what were your thoughts on his press co- conference overall? Was it just kind of, you know, he did throw a blue collar in there, which is always kind of a, a weird fan service thing that I don't even know is that effective on a, I would hope a, a smarter fan base that realized that's just kind of a little like, I don't know. I, I, I get bothered by that cliche a little bit, but uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on his press conference? I thought he showed a lot of maturity for a 26 year old kid. You know what I mean? Um, Great point. Great point. <laughs> he, uh, I thought his answers were, uh, stronger than what I expected. And while there were some generalizations that were made, that's to be expected of any player, especially a quarterback who's got to stand up in front of the, the press uh, on a weekly basis. Um, I thought he, he was composed. His body language was good. He's, you know, he smiled. He was, I thought he was genuine in a lot of, uh, the things he talked about, like, like saying he had a chip on his shoulder, saying, um, that he wanted to, to build a winner, that he thought, you know, things can happen very quickly in this league. And I don't think you should discount, you know, what this team could potentially do. And, um, you know, he, he, I, he, I came away more impressed with him than I, I think I was expecting. Did he seem too laid back for you, Eric, in some aspects? Because no. I kind of felt like – I felt like he was just too too laid back. In the, some, ca- I mean, the Cali boy in him? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, mean, I mean, and I get that. I think that's going to be one of the things he's really going to have to adjust to from coming from Cali to Detroit. I thought he did a good job of explaining that. But I don't know. I just kind of felt like he was just too laid back for me in that press conference. You know? No, I, I, I think it was – I think it was more – he was being deliberate in his answers. You know, I, I think there was, there was more of a, it was, it was, I saw it more as poised than I did as being laid back. Um, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. Like you could tell when he had something to say, he answered very quickly. You know what I mean? Um, and sometimes when he answered quickly, that's when you got the more genuine answers. But I didn't, I didn't get that impression uh, when I was watching him. All right. Well, let's uh, wrap it up there. And I'll tell you what we got. Yeah, no problem. Um, We do have some other speakers and and I know there are questions in the chat too. I'll tell you what, I'll stick around um, and answer some questions. Eric, if you want to stick around, you can, Ryan, you can as well. Um, But for now, I want to close it up for the podcast. So uh, if you want to join us next time and, and get all this bonus extra content that isn't on the podcast, make sure you download the locker room app and join us every Saturday at 1030 a.m. Eastern time. Um, me, Eric, and Ryan 
uh, schedules permitting, we'll be here answering all of your questions. Um, appreciate you for listening. This time around, we'll have a, a full week one recap of free agency on the POD cast live on Monday night. So be sure to join us then. But until then, it's chaos. Be kind. Thank <laughs> you.